Hey everyone, Ruckman here. Quick little preface on this week's episode. So usually, as you all know, we record on Mondays, and of course, Tuesday of this week, they announced a new ban list. So some of the things we talked about this week are kind of irrelevant, including where we say a ban list probably isn't going to happen until paper comes out. Uh, also, we talk about that we're planning on having our next Discord event uh, in the near future, and of course, a date was decided. And we are going to hold it on August the 1st, so please head over to the Discord to get the link and the sign-up code for that, and uh, come play some Pioneer with us, and we'll talk to you all next week, and go over some sweet band list updates. Bye! Ruckman and the guys here for the episode of Crew 3 Podcast. And of course, with me as always are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. What's up? Uh, and to clarify, because I think I've seen a lot of confusion in our Discord. I am Ruckman. Right. I am Chris. I'm still Ricky. All right, cool. Uh, I we got that out of the way. He's also Steve. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. So I've been, you know, I unfortunately ran into a lot of internet issues, so that kind of ruined the, the Pioneer streams. But I, I played a bit more Corset 21 Limited, and I have to say, I'm liking it a lot. I don't know if you guys have gotten a lot of chance to uh, to draft some Corset 2021, but it's been pretty sweet so far. I'm definitely liking it a lot more than Ikoria. It's a fun limited format, and the signpost cards, like, all this, like, signpost draft design finally comes together and works for once, in my opinion. Oh, uh, yeah. I think the one that kind of suffers from that, though, is I think the green-white deck, because I feel like I see the the uncommon, the Conclave Matron, or whatever the card is called. Um, I feel like that card wheels a lot. Like, I see it going a lot uh, middle-of-the-pack picks, whereas the other signpost cards go pretty early right. I think that deck just suffers from the green and the white cards giving counters to other things. It Those cards get picked up by the other green and white decks, right? So... I've gone uh, seven wins and six wins in my last two drafts, both playing green-white counters. Okay, uh, so you've got it to work then. Right. I, the one that I went seven wins, I had three Conclave Mentors. Yeah, Because definitely. nobody wants that card, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Like I said, I've I've drafted and I've been like maybe 10th, not 10th, but like 8th, 7th, 8th, ninth pick seeing Conclave Mentors going around in pack two. And I'm just like, do we just pivot here? <laughs> I think the key to that deck is really not like the Hydra or like the double up the counters card. I it's think like Bastry's Lieutenant. Like that card is oh, sweet. I've had Bastry's Lieutenant in both of my decks. That card is. Do you know that guy has pro multicolor? What? It is pro multicolor. Oh no, I was thinking Bastry's Acolyte. Oh yeah, that card's good too. I was, I was talking about the rare and I was like, that guy no, is no, no. insane. That guy is insane. But I was talking about the common that gives two guys counters and it's just a 2 3 lifelinker for four. And then I think Feet of Resistance and Hunter's Mark are the two cards that really make or break that deck sure definitely that makes sense pride malkin is of course good but he goes pretty quickly it's, he's such a smug boy i love him he's so proudy <laughs> i've draft i've had a lot of success drafting red white like i think everyone else has and i think there's been comparisons to like zendikar with just how fast that aggressive that deck is so if you guys want to play ancestral recall in limited go ahead and play the Houndmaster. <laughs> Houndmaster is very good. I don't have an Alpine in my current draft. I just have the Igneous Curve. Sure, yeah. And he's still very, very good. Uh, Double Vision is surprisingly playable in this format. Yeah, but the the draft that I tried to get through during while I was having internet issues, I dropped out of the draft like two picks into pack two, I think, and I missed 
five or so picks of pack two, but we still ended up in just like this disgusting red white deck with three Alpine Watchdogs, a Houndmaster, and one Igneous Kerr. Wow. Kerr. And it it was it was pretty gross. And then of course you have our friend Ed who <laughs> drafted white black, which is the deck I really want to try and pull off. I haven't gotten to draft the white black deck as it's meant to. You know, you and I got had that seven win draft with white black, but it wasn't good white black. But you know, we looked at his deck list and it had was it seven revitalizes? Like he was taking a lot of sips there. Oh my god. Brought the, the whole juice two, pack. The the Henny too strong there. Like you've been drinking. <laughs> you've been drinking. Uh Chris, have you had a chance to play any corset? You know, not really any corset recently, actually. I've been uh, trying to build up enough uh, gold. I didn't do the buying of packs like I did the last time. Um, yeah. And I might jump into it. We'll see. M21 just kind of snuck up onto me. I've been looking at a lot of the cards. I've been looking at a lot of the decks. But I've been really having a lot of fun just kind of like watching other people play stuff and um, working on kind of my blue-green deck in between uh, days at work and days off. So I'm about to dive into playing it, but I've really focused on... Um, kind of pioneer and looking at some lists that are similar to mine and um, found sure. some spicy lists to share with you guys today uh, cool. when we look at the metagame. So. Yeah, all right. So let's take a peek at the metagame. Before we get into that, uh, we touched on this a little bit last week, um, but I feel like coincidentally between us recording the podcast and us recording now, there's been a lot more negativity on the viability of Pioneer going forward. And I feel like we we, we touched on it a little bit it, in the in last week's episode by just saying like it's just sort of in the low right now it's like a lot of magic but i feel like the pandemic hitting in the very early stages of pioneer is hurting it a lot more than other formats it's going to be rough you know i'm not going to deny that it's going to be rough getting get back going again just like everything else is going to be getting it back going sort of towards the end of this pandemic when things start normalizing again if they start normal hopefully they start normalizing again mm-hmm. right but let's just be clear like the more doomsayer there is on the, the doomsayer there is in the format, the more it's going to hurt. So I just think if you guys are having issues with Pioneer, uh, I I am so happy to have an open forum with any other content creators, uh, you know, that we've worked with in the past that we would like to work with. I I just I would I would like to have a dialogue from with with us who are actual like you know our focus is really the Pioneer format versus other content creators. Just sort of just at large, right? That maybe Pioneer isn't their go-to just because the views aren't there in their minds, right? I think people are looking for something to talk about and, and like that's their focus. Like we've been negative on Pioneer because we love it. But again, the reality is, as we've talked about, is like it's still one of the best formats for brewing, for having a variety of decks in it and doing so on a on a solid budget, right? Like, I think Modern mm-hmm. has a lot of, initially had a lot of success, still success because there's a lot of different decks you can play. There's a large card pool, right? They're not all yeah. going to be top tier. But again, I, I, I will see. I, if I'm looking for Pioneer to do really well when it comes back in, uh, I'm sorry, when, when we come back to be able to play Live Magic again, because again, like, my local game store, we were talking about when we started this, like a month or two in, canceled standard tournaments. Everything mm-hmm. was Pioneer. FNM went to Pioneer because Sundays were 20 people plus in a, in a small town that I live in, a smallish town that I live in now. You know, I don't live in, in the bigger cities anymore and it's still a metropolitan area, but I mean, but you know, um, sure. so I mean, I, I think the price of admission to Pioneer being so good um, and having still a, a large enough card pool uh, to brew what you want is going to make it still successful when we come back out, especially because like what kind of financial situation are people going to be in? You know what I'm saying? Who, who's to sure. say? Um, so hopefully people can still play Magic. But again, if you want to play the game you love, I think Pioneer is going to be a good way to do it. And I think the big deal is, I 
Pioneer, I feel like, is at home on the tables right now. Right. People want to point to, like, there's issues with uh, Challenge firing this weekend. You know, if we go look at the metagame breakdowns like we will here in a few minutes, deck counts are low. But that's just because if people want to point to look at modern counts, look at legacy counts as a whole versus Pioneer decks right now in participation of these events, those are highly enfranchised players. And I think out of every format, maybe Commander aside, Modern is one of the most rabid fan bases in Magic, hands down, bar none, period. And these sure. are people who are who have had their online collections who don't need to buy in to – didn't need to buy in during this pandemic, right? Right, right, yeah. And, and it's like I said, I, so I, I don't hold it again. I mean people have been talking about it, and I think I think it's a hot topic because people are bored. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. What, what's Pioneer going to do? But – I mean, again, like it's a lot of fun. I still see a lot of stuff going on. I still see, especially if, you know, and again, if live magic doesn't come back in the same way, like then I think we've got an interesting conversation. I think we really hit the nail on the head last week where it's like, well, if they use this as an excuse to take most competitive stuff on Pioneer, then yeah, or sorry, uh, take it onto Arena is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Then yeah, Pioneer might struggle until they really, you know, come out with Pioneer and they may decide they not they don't want to do that. So there's a lot of ifs in that situation, right? Like, but as far sure. as local play, if we're able to get back to that, and a lot of countries that are not our country may be able to do that soon, right? Like, I think we can look to maybe some of the Europe's and um, Asia Pacific countries to sure. see if they're going to get back to live Pioneer or or not, right? But here where we're at you know it's going to be a struggle for a little while so uh, you know again i think there are definitely some things that that could hurt pioneer but i mean if things go back to usual i don't think so i think it'll be fine and also we i always like to point to our discord because we, we've got you know it's not as big as some of these other content creators or you know we are still a young brand right right but i think for how long we've been going we do have a decently sized community and sort of all things considered, I, th- I do like the size of our community. I would say we had a good small handful of people joining in the last week or so just asking, hey, I saw your webcam event. When's the next one going to be? Are we, are you trying to get more yeah. – like, you know, yeah. I think there there's people asking, like, to play in these – they want to play with their paper cards. They want to play Paper Pioneer, and we're trying to make that. Uh, obviously, I can't run these paper webcam events every weekend while also trying to do all the streaming schedules and – my regular nine to five work schedule, right? So we're trying to do as accommodating as possible. Maybe there's a conversation of I'm still on the fence about it. Maybe we sort of allow proxies. But one thing I do want to point out, again, back to people playing on MitGo, there are a lot of people in our Discord talking about like your cockatrices, your ex-mages, all of those sort of non-official ways of playing digital magic. And obviously Watsy's not going to check those numbers. But right. I might have dabbled, and I, and I think there is a good, sizable player base just from people in our community asking if people are playing these formats. Maybe maybe that's something to go investigate that I'm not going to fully endorse because, you know, that's not a necessarily a first-party thing. You know, we are loosely affiliated under the, the creator program, so I don't really want to go out and push a non-first-party platform. But I think if you're looking to play games, maybe you start asking around the Discord, talking, looking at those online communities. I've, I've used Cockatrice in the past when I was just trying to just yeah. grind and practice matchups before and things like that, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think so, most of us have. Yeah. The old so anyway. Magic Workstation, trying to get that to work. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I remember that. Wow, yeah. Taking me way back. Uh, let's take a quick look at this metagame, guys. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go to our seven-day breakdown. Surprise, surprise. Demir and Verder on top, 20% of the metagame. Uh, Soul Tide Delirium at 10%. Jeskai Cycling at 69 It's just Jeskai Control. Yeah, it's just, just is it just Jeskai Control? I haven't actually yeah, taken a Yeah, it big. has shark typhoons in it. 
Oh, so I, hey, that cycles. That cycles, yeah, that cycles. Uh, it's nice to see Teferi down fr- to. Oh, it's Teferi here of Dominar. That's not uh, Time Raveler, but oh. I see Time Raveler's down. Time Raveler's down to like thirty bucks on Mitka right now when it was like sixty, right? <laughs> Could be. I mean, there's a, there's actually several Teferi tribal decks out there now because yeah. you've got your your three have fairies. You, have you guys seen the paper price of Uro lately? Um. Yes. Uh, what's, what's uh, as an owner of about? three Uros. It's pushing Oro. like oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uro. Oro. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry. Uh, we've got uh, anthropology expert Jack, friend of the show Jackson, coming on next week. What? To finally, sell this debate for once, once and for all. There we go. Spicy bit. You guys can look forward to next week for a good laugh. <laughs> like, are they going to uh, tell me how to pronounce uh, Mert? Yeah, sure. We'll see. Uh, right now, Ricky, do you want to do you want to put a third pie on the line for this? It's Oro, but no. We'll see. Right. There's sixty dollars, well, by the way. Rookies. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna offer you another pie bet here in a little bit. After we talk about the Pioneer metagame. Wait, sixty right, anyway. American dollars for Uro right now? Seven fifty-five. But yeah, uh, like 60. yeah, out of stock on Card Kingdom to buy at sixty dollars. Um, it's if you wanted to sell them in Oro, you could uh, do it for. Da, 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 da. Drum roll, please. They will buy your regular Oro for. Forty-two ninety in store credit or thirty-three USD. Wow, solid. Get your money. Mm-hmm. I, I I know. Like I'm looking at these abundant moss, silver smoke, ghoul builds, and I'm looking at my oros, and I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe it's time to say goodbye. Oh man, how to save a life? Anyway, magic contest. Stay for the karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the pioneer meta game. Uh, then these all sort of share the same position with the Lotus Breach. What happened to Mono White? Where's Mono White in that list? Uh, well, we'll get to there. Just one second here. Okay. Mono and then we got Mono Red, this week. Mono White, or Mono Red, Niv Delight, Burn, and Mono Green Stomp, which is like that blue, is that that black red. Uh, the, <laughs> blah, 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 take, take a shot. Uh, the, yeah. the green-black build of Stompy, right? So then if we kick over to the 14 days, which we might start doing 14-day metagame breakdown now, just as things have been pretty slow, right? At uh, 14 days... The metagame is 15% Demir Inverter, 10% Mono White, 8% Mono Red, 7% Mono Black Vampires, 7% Sultai Delirium, 6% Esper Control, 5% Lotus Breach, 4% Burn. Those are sort of your top eight. Gotcha. So, it sounds like the last week people have been hyped up by the M21 cards and are looking to play more of the, the new Teferi and some of the decks that are incorporating the new cards. So sure. Inverter yeah, took a, a jump, Mono White took a, took a dive because there's not as much Mono White. Uh, sure. That and like, cards, so. I will say like we had like a drop in pioneer play this last weekend, but like so much stuff was happening this last weekend. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of tournaments that were not pioneer. Well, it's it's also you know the fourth the holiday weekend as well. Fourth of July, the release of M twenty one in paper, and the like M twenty one metagame opened on arena. Uh, there were a bunch of like events going on for just like M twenty one release. Sure, I'm just saying like. People were playing standard. People were playing other formats, but like it's just one bad people, weekend. People were blowing stuff up. Yeah, you know, Merca. Everybody's decks are low. Like look at standard challenges from last week. Sure, it's like lower numbers than even the pioneer one. Yeah, like I said, I think it's pretty clear sort of what the metagame is, right? I mean, it's it's fair to say there's like eight to ten decks that you're just going to see sort of rotate in and out. But I don't think anything's ever going to kick to pi- kick to Merc. Kick Demir Inverter off the top seat. Guys, I'm smelling toast real bad today. Uh, me too. It's, yeah, I can it's, see it, it man. 
It's that uh, it's all that smoke I inhaled over the weekend from the fireworks. Yeah. Hey, uh, Rickman. What's up? Do you feel and, and and Ricky also? You you tell me, but I know Ricky's you know just always got the spice going. Have you felt like your life may have been missing a little bit of spice these past couple days? Always. Well, I'm I'm out of paprika, so yes, I I am definitely missing spice. Because if you want some spice, okay, I, I have the spice for you guys right here, right now. Okay, sure. Right here, right now. Let's hear yeah. it. MTGO user, and not one I've seen before. And you guys know we spend most of our time going over this uh, this format, so you guys don't have to. Uh, not a name I've seen before. Maybe I could look it up and see. Ramzamella seven. Okay, five zero in a pioneer league with red black reanimator question mark Qu- question mark we aren't reanimating your typical big boys to win the game we are reanimating archfiend's vessel the m21 uncommon that uh if oh, you do reanimate okay. it makes a five five uh dreadhorde arcanist croxa citrus supplier we're not reanimating but it's in the deck and young pyromancer okay uh we're okay. reanimating them with three call of the death dweller and three claim to fame i don't know what Fame does, but I know the claim part reanimates something with like uh, two or less. Fame gives you plus two plus oh in haste. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ricky. And uh, we've got a couple dreadboards, a couple thought seizes, and then we've got fatal push, uh, wild slash, and four village rights. Oh, they were talking about this in our Discord earlier this week. I saw this list before. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about yeah. this in the Discord earlier. Yeah, yeah. This is one black instant uh, sack creature draw two card. So obviously we do that with our Crocs the sack on the stack. Um, we mm-hmm. get rid of our Archfiend's Vessel, we get rid of our Citrus Supplier to mill more cards. So I feel like there's probably some some uh, some cards missing. I feel like Archfiend's Vessel should be more, a more of, but maybe they were just testing it to see how they liked it initially. Um, sure. Because obviously you can only do it one time in Exile. So I feel like having more of those has got to be something. But man, that is a fun, and this is this deck is so cheap, right? I mean, like, your rares are too Croxa, you know? Uh, you got some thoughtsies. You got some thoughtsies, right? That's but like still, it's under 150 ticks online for sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty inexpensive. It's pretty budget, and again, hopefully you guys have your thoughtsies at this point. It's just in so many decks. Once you've got that, you pretty much have this deck, mm-hmm. and just you know, super sweet, super super sweet. So I thought that was a really fun list to see five O and show you that there's a lot of different kinds of decks you could be playing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That deck seems uh, sweet, actually. I want to be playing this deck. Mm-hmm. And actually, I wish I wish I would have known this and I would have confirmed, but I'm pretty sure one of these deck lists uh, that was a 5-0 from a league was from one of our user Discord users. So if Zeth4, if, if that's the same one that's in our Discord, uh, congrats to him on 5-0-ing with uh, Possibility Storm. There we go. There we go. There we go. Possibility Storm. But what's... Uh, did, I, did you send me the list? Oh, no. Here you go. Is it running black or no? No, no, no. Here you go. I'll take a look uh, at this place. This was stone, this is my stone, baby. Stone Quail Serpent, Elvish Mystics, Lawnmower Elves, Bonecrusher Giants, Captain Lannery Storm. This is a little different from what we've been sort of normally seeing because there's a lot of, like there are some creature there's just some good creatures to hit yeah. off of possibility storm, which is kind of interesting, right? Like it's not all in on the combo. Right. Yeah, makes sense. And so here we are going to we can get our sorcery that yeah, sorcery there. And then we've got more X's. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I see. Um, so yeah, so they're not playing Walking Ballista, they're playing the Stone Cold Serpent to get instead, which is fine. To use yeah. Okay, this is pretty nifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they speak yeah. up and say something, so cool. Yeah, definitely. All right, so before before we get to the topics, I totally forgot to send this guy to you guys. Mark Rosewater put out a very interesting article today mm-hmm. called The Future of Magic, which is him just sort of going through and breaking down some of the major design points since he's been head of design. And one of the things in this article I did want to point out 
that they've sort of talked about utilizing. So they have like, they're talking about punch cards, they're talking about using the frame. Uh, one of them he talks about here, uh, Ricky was probably going to like, he talks about bringing Forbid up. He talks about Forbidden again, and that uh, apparently that almost made it into Kaladesh, a similar mechanic. So they're still trying to get Forbidden to work, which is that... Uh, Forbidden is the cards that start in your sideboard, right? Yeah. He's also got a little bit of side decks. But I, I, I broached Ricky last week with a potential pie bet, because he talks about double face cards here. And it's he sort of hypes up. There's some interesting and exciting uses of double face cards coming out soon. So Ricky, I'm going to offer the pie bet again on double face cards giving you lands in Zendikar. We're going full Kaijudo, baby. So like I mentioned this before, and I don't think we're going to be able to settle on a, a term for this. Sure. It's like maybe one cycle of lands in, at rare. Sure. And then I don't see it happening because my big argument is like. Uh, disrupting channel uh-huh. is the magic card that was submitted by a player who won the open, the snapcaster. Sure. He originally wanted a land that tapped for blue, or you could pay four mana and discard it from your hand to counter a spell. Yeah. It was like, that's too powerful because lands can't do that. Or you can't counter abilities with like the fact that a land would be able to also just be a spell. Well, Seems no, no. Like I it's... think it's gonna. Pl- I think it's gonna play like Kaijudo, where hey, this is a double face card that you could just put down as a land instead of putting like casting it as a spell. I do like the idea of double faced cards that don't flip. Sure. Where, as in, you put them into your deck one orientation, and while sideboarding, you can flip their orientation. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Hmm. So, like, you would register the card as like. So let's use Delver for an example, just for names, right? Sure. So instead of registering, like, four Delver of Secrets, you would register, like, two Delver of Secrets, two Insectile Aberrations in your main deck. And then in game two, you could you know, have all four of them be Delver, or all four of them be Insectile Aberration, or just side them out, you know? Mm, okay, sure. Give me I a like choice. that idea. That's a cool idea. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're ready for that yet. Sure. I, I do, I have, do you feel like it's that is pretty similar in um, mine though to the split cards, right? Where like you can just play one or the other. But this is completely different because once the game starts, you can no longer pick the other side. True, 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 true. So it still feels bit, similar and harder to manage, but I think it's an interesting concept. It, the only thing that's weird about it, right, mm-hmm. is that you'd have to have checklist cards for it, right? And it would be really obvious during sideboarding when you were flipping cards around. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this design works practically in paper. Of course, in Arena, it works. And like as they've proven with Mecha Godzilla, sometimes it doesn't have to really work in paper. Right. Like sometimes, you know, the judge can be like, well, don't you have a 10-sided die? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that that's sort of not really practical, but it's an interesting design space. There's interesting design spaces in two-faced cards, but I hate two-faced cards. Um, I've got too many friends who just don't play the checklist cards like I always tell them to, and get game losses in their events at big moments because I think I can see through your card. I think it's a checklist card. Or I think it's a double-faced card. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, sometimes those friends get lucky and it gets happened during the pre-top eight deck check. Right. Like, I'm just saying, like, it's just it feels weird to me. I don't like double face cards because of the practicality of magic. Sure. And to me, moving towards more double face cards feels like a move towards more digital only of a game. 
Look, all I'm saying is if we all just use thick anime girl sleeves instead of our very low pastel color dragon shields, it'll all be fine. Oh, yeah. This, there you go. I like that idea. This is true. <laughs> big, uh, big goth GF sleeves for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> we need to we need to try out those money on my mind monopoly sleeves. The money on I've my been, mind monopoly sleeves. I've been trying to track those down. I can't find them anywhere. You can't find them again. Well, I haven't tried to like see if Ultra has them in stock, but I can't find them anywhere but the Ultra Pro website. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody else who would ever order them. Maybe Madness. Maybe maybe Madness would. You're right. We'll have to we'll have to we'll have to reach out to some people and ask. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. So any any more thoughts here before we go into the main topic of the discussion this week? No, let's huh? rock and roll. Let's All rock. right. So, so as I broached to Ricky and Chris, I think it's been a while since we've talked about, you know, we've talked about like how to build decks in Pioneer. You know, we did a big deck doctoring last week. So I thought this week it'd be a good time to sort of go back because things are starting to settle back down again. It looks like Corset isn't going to fully shake up the format just quite yet. So I thought this would be a good time to sort of take a minute to look back at what are the benchmarks of Pioneer? What do you need to be prepared for? I think the key one being our, our previous benchmarks when we were very early on in the format, when like Monogreen was around, right? It was, can you beat a turn two five five? Or can you survive a turn one thought seize without being bad news bears? I think one of those is still very relevant. But let's talk about how, how have the benchmarks of your deck being successful in Pioneer sort of changed over time? And sort of where are we right now? So are you talking about like the history of Pioneer here? Not like the history of just like, say say we're tr- say we're, we're tuning our deck, right? We're building our deck. And, and it is a little Pioneer history, right? Right. But so we're, we're, we're coming up with a new brew. We've got this new sweet, sick idea. But let's say there's like some keys that you need to be able to be prepared for whether that be sideboard or your main board that your deck has to be able to compete with in sure. order to be competitive in the format, right? So again, early on it was, can you beat a turn? Can you survive a turn two five five? Or how easily does your deck fold to Thoughtseize? Right, right, right. Obviously the turn two five five, not very relevant right now, but if the green stompy decks show back up again, it's only a matter of time. Uh, Thoughtseize against Inverter with Inverter is a very real thing. What what do you guys think are these like benchmarks in when we're trying to make a deck in order to be successful in the format? So, but but like today, today, right? Today, today, yeah. Oh man, I had the whole band list timeline pulled up here. I was ready to like <laughs> go through by format change. All right, well, okay, well, let's throw let's, that let's out go. The let's 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 go by format change. I think it is interesting to sort of see uh, as the format evolved what benchmarks have stayed. So, in my opinion, of the of what started in pioneer mm-hmm. so the first ban of course is just the fetch lands and everything else is open sure so then that was october mm-hmm. we have cat combo decks running n- insane with like free mana because of oath of nissa yeah and they're just playing every planeswalker especially teferi yeah and it was like can you beat Sveldiar combo behind a teferi and you couldn't turns out no, you, guess what you can't <laughs> Um, so we banned <laughs> Feldar Guardian running wild in the impact zone. We banned Feldar Guardian, Leyline of Abundance, and Oath of Nyssa. So there's also those cheesy Oath uh, or Leyline of Abundance decks. Yeah, oh, that was when Mono Green was at like its worst, right? Where you just, oops, here's a Leyline and here's three dor- mana dorks, and it's just 
It was gross. Yeah, it was just like, and and here's Ulamog on turn four. Can yeah. you beat a turn two five mana planeswalker? Was the, was the thing? That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nissa. Mm-hmm. Um. So they banned that, and then uh, a week two, the, the the next very next week, immediately let's ban Veil of Summer, which again, arguably because nobody could beat the green decks because, I mean, Veil of Summer plus Oko means you don't get to ever race the Oko. And that, that's one thing I do, which is funny going through this ban list, right? I do want to point out with people really cited another issue with Pioneers, all these early bans. Uh, I think that's an issue with just card design from when Pioneers had to be had to come into the world, right? Like Eldraine and War of the Spark were not fair magic sets in a very classical sense that we've been used to, right? No. Oko is a problem in a lot of formats, was a problem in a lot of formats. Veil of Summer was a was a problem, is a problem in a lot of formats, right? I think these are very powerful cards. So to say Pioneer suffered because of them, yes, it did, but I don't think that's an issue with Pioneer. I think it's an issue of just how these cards were designed. I think M21 is the weakest set we've seen printed in two years. That's fair, and you know what? And it's still a good set. It's it's still very good, I agree. But, like, compare it to War of the Spark, compare it to uh, M20, compare it to Eldraine. M20 is like the secret, this is the silent killer of Pioneer. Like, there's a lot of very relevant cards in that set. It's mostly Veil. Sure. Veil is just a card that should never have been printed. But you, you have like Knight of the Ebon Legion, you've got Rotting Registrar. There, there's some pretty. Right, there's definitely some good relevant. heavy hitters in there. But it's not, it's, they're not Veil of Summer. You're, you're correct in that. So we go to December, and in December, everybody's asking the same question How do I get rid of all these zombie tokens? <laughs> The answer is a virulent plague. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you play virulent plague, uh, then you're just going to lose to the Oko decks. And so it's kind of funny because, like, I, I was against the Field of the Dead band, and there were a lot of people who were like, "Oh my gosh, if you play that format, you have to understand." And I was like, "Man, I was beating Field of the Dead with like Phoenix. I was seeing people beat Field of the Dead with all kinds of stuff because it was it was slow." Um, I do not think you could unban it with Azusa in the format and with all of the ramp that's. No, with Uro and Girl Spiral, yeah, like already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is a much different conversation now than and it was then. Like I was initially like, I don't know, and and again, I think there's a world where it could exist, but now that there's just so much good ramp, uh, Field of the Dead got to stay banned. So yeah. week one in December, we banned Field of the Dead and we banned Once Upon a Time. Right, yeah. which and, that was another mistake of a card. And unfortunately, once again, boys, the copters are grounded. Yeah. Oh no. It had to happen, like, you banned, like, the two big, like, you banned Field of the Dead once upon a time, which is what, like, all the ramp and slow decks were using to combat things like Smuggler's Copter. Mm -hmm. It had to go. It was in every deck that was aggro. It's just you hate to see it, because you you want everyone, I like Sleeping Up Copter, everyone likes Sleeping Up Copter, but, you know, every deck is playing it, so. Two weeks later, the question is, can you beat a turn one Oko? It's still, can you beat a turn one Oko? The answer is... No one can beat a turn two Oko. Did I say turn one? I meant turn two. You said turn one. It's essentially turn one. It's your turn one, right? Yeah. <laughs> your, your opponent went forest goose, and you played a tapped land like an idiot, and then your <laughs> opponent played an Oko and made a food, and putting him up die. to six. Mm-hmm. All of your cards are no longer relevant unless they are three threes. Yeah. It's just like, it was so dumb. And then on top of that, you couldn't let anybody live past turn six, or you would just get Nexus out of the game. So week three of December for Christmas, Watsi gave us 
Nexus of Fate banning and Oko Thief of Crowns banning finally. It was crazy how long Oko was legal in the format. Like they yeah. really didn't. They were really trying to sell that set. Wizards, they were like, Wizards really, really, so really didn't want to sell Oko or didn't yeah. want to ban Oko. Right. They had already they banned him in standard in November, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, they they take till January to ban him in modern. Mm-hmm. Like that card is so pushed. I still own like four Okos because I was like, it's the best card I've ever printed. It's so good. Turns out I was right. It is the best card. <laughs> I can't even put it in my format. multicolor cube. It's too Ugh. warping. Yep. It's just like I didn't read Oko correctly and I went to it like an event. And I remember this because like I cast Niv Mizzet Parun mm-hmm. and it resolved. And I cast it into an Oko and I had a negate in my hand. And I was like, right. game over. Right? Right. And he just goes, plus one, your Niv Mizzet's an elk. Yep. Elk and I go, I go, no, 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 it costs six. It, you have to be three CMC or less to elk. No, it don't matter. And he's like, no, everything just elks. There's another card in Eldraine that, that is, that cares about three CMC less. Right. Oh, is that the Kenrith transformation? Yeah. Um. So it was just like, I had to like reread Oko a million times. His ult says that you can only steal things that cost three CMC or less, or three power or mm. less. I was just like so confused. I didn't get to draw any cards. I didn't get to deal any damage. My negate sat in my hand like it like an idiot, and right. uh, I had a, I had a big legendary elk in play. You got tricked. Let me let me tell you something about Oko kids. Uh, when we were at, when we were at PAX and they had free mini masters every morning, I looked at Chris and I said, "If you open Oko, it's a free roll." Well, I sat down on Saturday, and I opened Oko, and let me tell you, it was a free roll. <laughs> Especially when Mini Masters, right, where it's a lot of people who were just like, oh, I haven't played Magic in, like, years, or I'm just trying right. to learn the game. And I'm just like, sorry, kid, time yeah. to go to the Shadow Realm, Jimbo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go back to Yu-Gi-Oh! or Hearthstone, children. <laughs> that was one of the few events I got to play was a Modern Master, or was a Mini Masters event, right? Yeah. Um, and my first pack had Archimist Owl... Ginger Brute, Clockwork Servant, Henge Walker, and Dance of the Mance. Oh, and yeah, I, was I like, remember that one. I was like, unbelievable. Let's roll. Win my first round, get my second pack. I opened a second Dance of the Mance and like two more artifacts. And I was just like, we're so in. And I think my third pack was a Vantress Gargoyle and an All That Glitters. And I was just like, this is so dumb. That was the second Mini Masters we played, and that was the one where Ed and I accidentally switched decks. <laughs> where I we like I did the joke of I was like, no, no, this is your deck, Ed. That one's my deck. And we did that back and forth too many times. We ended up actually switching decks on accident. And I told him he couldn't have his deck back. <laughs> How'd you do? Uh, I, w- I went three wins with that deck because it had a Stomping Giant and um, double the uncommon... In, it had like double edge wall and keeper. So you guys know that it's been since Christmas that we've seen a change to the pioneer ban list. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Well, wake me up. So See. what do we have to beat now? Well, like if you, if you haven't heard me ramble, uh, us ramble on for the past, you said since December, Ricky, uh, how, how, when did, when did Theros come out? Jan- uh, middle of January, birthday, yeah, the end of January at PAX. Yeah, yeah, the week before my birthday, right? Yeah, uh, and you're the weekend of your birthday, essentially. 
Uh, ever since then, the deck you've beat is a Demir Inverter. Thassa's Oracle, and then thanks to Underworld Escape, whatever it's called, also Lotus Breach. Yeah. Breach the Underworld. That's what it's called. That's what it's called, mm-hmm. Lotus Breach. <laughs> so, sorry, so... so- you, we're we're kind of at now, right? I mean, there was a diff, there was definitely a big change in Pioneer with Ikoria and Companion, but those are kind of a non thing now. Uh, you still like L- Luris Burn and Esperiorian utilizing those cards, but for the most part, no I mean, no more Obosh are, Teamer. I miss that deck so much. Yeah, no more Obosh. Um, you still see like Luris show up again, besides Burn and like Stramoras. That deck still kick around. So so we're at now, right? You know now. The the turn two five fives aren't really relevant, right? And I think you I think look the at turn the f- two five fives are still relevant. I think they are too, but they're not. If you're not looking at the if you're looking at the meta, right? Like they're not entirely the meta right now. I think I think it's still a relevant book benchmark to be aware of because I don't doubt that you go to an event. There's gonna be mono green, green black stomp you're running around. The deck's just fun. It's one of my favorite decks to play in the format. Oh, excuse me, but I definitely think you know. We, we have an idea of what the metagame is now, and so, you know, the turn two five-fives aren't going to be a thing you see, like, every other round, like right. they were, right? Phoenix isn't a major player anymore. Could be. In Soul, kicks around, but it's not a major player anymore. What are our major players in the format? You're looking at Inverter, you're looking at a Mono Black variant, which that's kind of surprising. We hadn't seen Mono Black for a while, whether it be Vampires or regular Mono Black. Mono Black's been around from, from the beginning. Yeah, but it's sort of being replaced by the vampire build, right? Uh, but it, it definitely, like, stepped aside during the the Companion era, like the month of Companion. But now it's sort of making a comeback, right? So right. so what are what are our real benchmarks that you have to deal with? Whether or not we're going to be sideboarding the, against them or we're going to be trying to beat them in the main board, right? So I think there there are two, there are two big things here. You have to be able to put up uh, let's say a turn five, turn six win, or you have to be able to grind down those co- those decks that are going to combo you out by then. I also think it's safe with our top four decks in the past month, right? Sure. Past month, our top four decks are Demir Inverter, Mono White, Lotus Breach, and Mono Black. Sure. You're going to get thought seized. Yeah. It's just going to happen. It's part yeah, of life. Definitely. I'd say probably about most of your games are going to see a thought seize in the first three turns of the game. Hmm. So you just need to keep you cannot keep hands that can't live through one thought seize. Yeah. Or you need to have and if you're gonna be this this all in combo deck, you need some redundancy. You need to be able to find your pieces again. And it's why mono white, you see a lot of the versions play like Arcanist Owl and things like that to go find the pieces they're missing, right? You need to have some resiliency or redundancy in your combo. Right. Arcanist Owl also just gives you uh, a lot of devotion. A lot of devotion. <laughs> Arcanist Owl plus Heliod, he's online. Right. It, and it curves. Look at that. And it also can find you the walking ballista for next turn. Yeah. So a lot of people, the reason Mono White, in my opinion, is so big, and I've done an article about it before, um, is that getting into the trials is one of the best ways to be proactive on the board while also combating the Demir Inverter or Lotus Breach strategies. Sure. That's fair. And those are just decks that are going to try to win with a uh, Thassa's Oracle. Mm-hmm. And with a Gideon in play, they have to take an extra step to remove Gideons before they can actually win. Sure. Now, if we're, if we're going and looking at, let's just say, because I would think that Mono Red is definitely going to be more prevalent than Mono Black, right? 
what what version of mono red are you more worried about? Are you worried about Lurisburn? Are you worried about just like the creature goblins we're going to get in and beat down with mono red? Which which version of the deck are you more worried about seeing? So I think that there's uh you know the mid range red has sort of fallen out of favor. I think it's picked back up a lot. I, I your, want your to decks, see the days of the Glorbringer of... and the Chandra. Sure, the days of the Glorbringer and the Chandra are gone, but now we're just slinging like three drops with our Chain Whirlers, and then we have like our Torbrands, right? Right, right. Um, like, Mono Red Aggro, I think that the creature build is probably better than the Luris build right now, just due to the Luris nerf. Sure. It's just not as reliant. Like, you just got like so many good aggressive creatures with like that you wouldn't get to play. Like, Bone Crusher Giant is so efficient. And, like, Goblin Chain yeah. Whirler and Torbrand, all amazing cards um, that you get to play. You also get to play two Collective Defiance. Which that's, is, that's a big one if you were at Inverter, right? It's a very important card against Inverter. It, it lets you steal a game from Inverter once or twice. Mm-hmm. You got to get lucky. You got to draw it generally because uh, they're going to thought seize your hand. But, hey, so- just uh, being able to wheel your opponent when they mm-hmm. have no cards left in their deck. Feels good. How do you how do you feel about um, you said there are four decks, but I, I definitely think there's an argument for five in Sultai Delirium, like well, the, the, the sort of Junda. The what's up? Those are the top four. If you set it to thirty days, are, oh, if you set it to thirty days, okay, sure, right. But I think there's a big argument for Delirium being there. I think Delirium is a very very uh, popular deck in paper a lot of the time, just because it is like the Junda of the format. It is also the the most expensive deck in the format. It is also the most expensive deck of the format. Did you know that four Oros runs you $216? I did know that. (laughs) Did you know that Jace Vrind's Prodigies are $33 each? Are they $33 now? That's down. Walking Ballistas are $30 almost? Yep. Wow. Um, It is is the gen of the format. (laughs) Was the... The love your love your game store card that was a hanging hangerback walker or was that a blister? that was that was, that was hangerback. Uh, they wouldn't give us the good one. Yeah, I remember when ballista got spoiled and everybody was just like, "Oh look, it's bad hangerback walker." Oh yeah, this deck is a lot of fun. It is uh, a little frustrating to play against when your opponent is new to the deck. Sure. Um, and look, it's got like eliminate and heartless act neat to extinction now. It's picked up shark typhoon. That builds Delirium. It's so weird to think of as like Delirium as like the Jun slash, we're going to say the fair deck of the format, right? When it's playing things like Uro and stuff like that. That's what those are decks have done. Those all decks have always like had an attrition war, right? Like I'm going sure. to try and get value from my cards. You know, my cards are going to do more. They're not going to be overwhelmingly whatever. But through the several of them, I've got removal. I've got ways to recur threats, you know. Yeah. Two for ones. That type of situation. Uh, like... Just the spell suite of Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, Traverse is just like... Yeah. Whew, yeah. Traverse is cards. a card. I mean, Traverse is one of those things. Traverse is banned in Modern, right? No. Traverse the Evil is is, uh, is legal. Modern. Yeah. Interesting. Because that's one of those things that I've just always thought was, like, really strong. It's, like, it's very similar to... What's, there's, what's the green tutor that is banned in Modern? It's X and Green. Green Sun Zenith. Green Sun Zenith, yeah. It's pretty similar to Green Sun Zenith once you have Delirium, right? It's one mana tutor for any creature, and then you get to cast your creature. So. Well, the big problem with Green Sun Zenith is that, one, it shuffles back in, and two, like, it puts the card right into play. Right, right, right. And the for real sure. thing that was, the reason Green Sun Zenith got banned is because you could cast it for zero and get a Dryad Arbor Dry to, like, ramp on turn one. Right. It was just so versatile. For sure, for sure, for sure. But again, like, the later versions of the card, right, like, playing it after that turn one for that particular thing... 
I think it's pretty similar. And again, I'm just making the comparison of a card that's considered too strong for, for modern, right? Like Traverse is legal, but Green Sun Zenith is not. And it's kind of like our Green Sun Zenith. You know what I'm saying? For one, again, for one mana, you get to get your card, then you can play your card from the casting cost. You had to pay the casting cost for Green Sun Zenith. So yeah, the big deal was getting Dryad Arbor, but in every other case, you know what I'm saying? It was just, it was a tutor. So mm-hmm. well, it's, it's just a strong card. And again, I, I, I think that the benchmarks have changed. And like you said, as far as like, now it's, can you beat it turn six? Can you can you beat it turn two five five? It's can you handle the disruption that's going to be thrown at you and win the game in a reasonable amount of time? So it's a little more generic, I feel like, than it used to be. We don't have that specific thing to point to, but you do have to be wary of the of the decks and what their game plan is. And if you either can't fight the disruption or be faster than them, you need to consider right. what you're doing. Or just play dredge. Who cares about removal if you didn't pay for your creatures? Yeah, but I think that's what I'm talking about, right? It's like if you if you can present a clock that can beat the opponent, you know what I'm saying? Like, great. Who cares about Thoughtseize when you want your hand in your yard? It kind of it's kind of a big umbrella. So I do think that like a lot of the format is uh, is either beat down before a combo can go off, or yeah. play a combo. And there mm-hmm. are brave souls who try to play control in this format. The fairy and tribal. It's normally normally this is like the the typical meta is you get the, the aggro decks beat the combo decks because they're too fast, and the control decks beat the aggro decks and lose to the combo decks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Ruckman wants to concede as soon as he sees Yorian, as Esper Yorian show up, because it's just not fun to play <laughs> against. But uh, because of how disruptive the combo decks get to be with Fatal Push, and, and now they get to attack hands to make their like control matchups like so abysmal, mm. that like it sort of removed like an element of the triangle. So it's just like, it is just aggro and control or sorry, aggro and combo. And there's not really a mid ground anymore. Yeah. I would, I would say like delirium or delirium is one of the closest thing to mid range we have. That isn't like also a combo deck, right? Right. People always want to play mid range. For some reason, people are weird and they think that Siege Rhino is a fun card to cast. Hey, um, get back you, uh... to me on that. I don't, I don't see any islands or mountains in its mana cost. <laughs> I'm just so a little interested. confused, you know? Right. But well, that I understand. yeah, currently Pioneer is not really a a mid-range lover's format. And I guess it was sort of, people thought that that's what it was going to be. Um, because all the mid-range cards are here. You got your Thoughtseize, you got your good removal, you got your Elspeth Sun's Champion, your, your Siege Rhinos. But like right now, just the prevalence of Thassa's Oracle combo decks really shuts that side of the meta down. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think right now, like the big thing you got, you got to look for is you have to have a very proactive game plan, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. You cannot try to be reactive right now. There's too many things going on that will just beat you. And like we always hammer down on, be focused. Like, don't just be like, well, I want to sort of combine like two or three decks together, right? You need to pick a lane and you need to stay with the lane. Exactly. Like, there's definitely a lot of ways you can get aggro and definitely a lot of ways you can combo off or or have, like, such high synergy that it's almost a combo. Sure. Uh, but you really need to just stick to it and make sure your plays are proactive. You cannot... And it hate, I, I hate to say it because you cannot be spending your, your turns just strategic planning trying to put your phoenixes in the yard anymore. Like, you need to be going. Not enough you time know? for all that. You got to be casting your sprite dragons and going right. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, you got to be. You know, it's hard to be a control player or a mid range player right now. It's so not easy being green. Is what you're saying? It's 
unfortunately a little too easy to be green in some formats, but in this format, thankfully, it's not easy being green. Makes sense. All right. So I mean, that's that's pretty good, pretty good discussion there on sort of what you're what you need to sort of expect and how you need to to sort of apply to the format. Uh, any closing thoughts before you switch over to Does It Slap? No, let's get it going. I All right. just think that we need a ban list. Sure. I don't think it's going to happen until Paper Magic is happening again. I, I think that's pretty fair, yeah. Or, you know, Wizards figures out all their other garbage fires that are currently running right now. Yeah, definitely. So, anyways. Let's, um, let's, our... let's, let's find something that slaps, hopefully. All right, yeah. Let's, uh, let's see what slaps, then. Okay, so kicking over doesn't slap. This is from Discord user uh, Sammy Baba bringing us a deck that we kind of teased early on in Ikoria, but we didn't realize the companion menace that was about to loom over us. Uh, he, he they bring us a deck list called Luminous Goblins, which is a a combo deck built around Luminous Broodmoth. Okay, yeah. Man, I remember thinking, wow, it's it's crazy that it's been so long, so much has happened since it came out, but like, I remember thinking Luminous Broodmoth was going to be a bigger part of this format, you know? And we all did. Yeah, there, there's a pioneer combo with it, right? I don't even know what it is anymore. Yeah, uh, so well, let's talk about it. So what their deck is here is it's sort of Luminous Broodmoth combo. So it's playing four Fanatical Firebrand, three Goblin Arsonist, uh, which, are two, which are one mana goblins, uh, the Fanatical Firebrand has haste, and then you, it's a one with Goblin with haste. You can tap, sack it. It deals one damage to target creature or player. Goblin Arsonist says when tar- Goblin Arsonist dies, we have to deal one damage to any target. Uh, Skirk Prospector is a one-mana, one-one goblin that's a sack of goblin to add red mana. It's playing four Bone Crusher Giant, four Luminous Broodmoth, which is, of course, our, our sort of keystone card of the deck, which is two and a white-white for whatever creature you control without flying dies. Turn to the battlefield with a flying counter. It's playing four Banefire, four Light at the Stage. It's got a, just a suite of white red lands. And then it hits four Settle the Wreckage and four copies of Solemnity, which is our real combo piece here for two and a white. You get an enchantment with players can't get counters. Counters can be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantment, or lands. So what that does is it lets you have a Broodmoth in play and either... Uh, sacking a Firebrand or a Goblin Arsonist to our Skirk Prospector, just buy back one damage indefinitely. But you can also keep sacking creatures to the Skirk Prospector just to build up a big Bane Fire. Mm, interesting, okay. So, I get the combo. Sure. And I like what it's doing here a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that this is like the deck that Conspicuous Snoop wants to play in, right? Oh, okay, interesting. So like, it, just, it just copies all of our goblins? Light up the stage is only cool, right? But, um, and so is Bonecrusher Giant. Like, they're both very good cards. I like the Settle the Wreckage. Maybe we keep Bonecrusher Giant and we cut the Settle the Wreckages? Sure, yeah. Settle um, just feels like a concession for just keeping up with the, red, with the red decks, right? It's a good sideboard card for sure. But I would really like to play Conspicuous Snoop and a non-zero amount of Goblin Ringleader. Okay, sure. Um, I feel like we should just be a goblin deck that will combo off. Okay, yeah. It definitely feels like it needs a way to find the combo, right? Right. Settle the wreckage, definitely. Or sorry, not settle the wreckage, but uh, Goblin Ringleader just fills our hands with goblins. And uh, Conspicuous Snoop uh, really helps us out in casting a bunch of goblins. So we can go with a plan B of just a bunch of tiny goblins in play. 
Sure. Yeah, and that's that's what Bunch of Tiny Goblins in play. It really makes me wonder why we aren't playing Goblin Instigator. It's a two drop and it makes two one it makes a one one goblin? Yeah, like if we're gonna try and loop goblins, right, to build up big mana for a bane fire, that seems like a good one to have. Right, right, right. And 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 in a pinch just makes you an army. I also do I would also like to just change a few things about the land base here, because if we are playing Conspicuous Snoop, I'd like to definitely play four fabled passage in here. Okay. And maybe two of the red white scry land. Because it it interacts very well with the guy who wants us to play cards off the top of our deck. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, we're still trying to land this uh, Solemnity combo. Mm-hmm. Is there another Solemnity combo that we can play? Uh, we can go back to the pile of nine lives talk. Oh, I don't like that talk. I don't like the talk either. <laughs> I, th- I think we've gone over plenty of times on how that why that combo isn't the best. Like, let's see here. Let me just check. What, what goblins do we have in Pioneer? Like, how, how good is goblins in Pioneer? Pretty we close search... to being good, actually. We just search goblin. Let's go to let's go to scryfall real fast. Yep, goblin, and we'll pick uh, pioneer. Pioneer legal. Yep. Um, There's a lot of good goblins. So let's see here. Can we build just a goblin tribal deck that just has a backdoor combo for us? I mean, you get like uh, legion loyalist is a solid one. Um, Frenzied goblins, good. Dark dweller oracle is also not too bad. Uh, Instigator, obviously the three mana ones with Rebel Master and Legion Loyalist. Um, let's see here. We have the Trash Master. Is that our only Lord? Yeah, yeah, because we don't have a good Lord because we have War Chief instead of Goblin King. Yeah. Um, Legion Loyalist yeah, we, is pretty good. Yeah, we don't really have any ways in the shape of Lords unless we want to play like Reckless Bushwhacker and count that. I feel like at the end of the day, though, like we just need to build a Aggro Goblins deck that has has a back door into this combo with like uh white mana gives us like some good sideboard options also just the solemnity and the brood moth like what what if we just played like four brood moth and, like two solemnity it doesn't do the same thing but i'm saying but if we try and go to like a goblin tribal deck that just sort of backdoors into the combo right also we don't like really need to bane fire yeah, yeah ideally you're you're like sacking your firebrands your arsonists right, right. And that's Banefire is, I guess, cute just because it's uncounterable, but at that point, if we're just poking or pointing a bunch of arsonists or firebrand triggers at our opponent, why does the Banefire matter? Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm still not sure. I may be missing something, but like, I'm not sure how we net mana with the Prospector. It seems like each time we add the mana, we're like... Well, you have to have the combo and play it to net mana. Right, right, right. So like, how are you getting extra mana? But when well, you sack our, our a goblin goth- for mana, it comes right back into play because it doesn't have for flying, free. and then it doesn't get the flying counter because of solemnity. That's what you're saying. That's right. You're not so you're not recasting it. Broodmoth yeah. just brings it back. Okay, gotcha. That was exactly. my thing. For some reason, I just been a while since I booked up Broodmoth, so I was like, wait a minute, don't you just get to recast it? No, no, no it just yeah. comes back into play. Okay, this mm-hmm. makes sense to me now. So I've been actually building modern goblins. Uh, yeah. Before everything started with the whole conspicuous Snoop stuff. How many? How many brash taunters? No brash taunters in modern goblins. What a, what was, a shame. I was playing the Grum Gully combo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, Grum Gully plus uh, Red Cap and a Sack Outlet wins the game. Mm-hmm. There, was another, there was another goblin that did it. It was the... Uh, it's the two drop. There's a two drop with Persist. Yeah, gotcha. From Modern Horizons is a black goblin. Okay. So I've got the hovels and the aether vials and all that stuff. 
and like you can play Goblin Matron now, but this is Pioneer. And in Pioneer, I think we're better off playing the one drops and then we just play the cards that give us more goblins and we play Bushwhacker. Like the Ringleader, Ringleader, Rabble Master, uh, Whacker, uh, because he's a goblin ally. He sure is. I don't think many of these other goblins are worth really talking about. We could play Siege Gang Commander, but I think that's above our curve. We wanted to be casting our Broodmoth at that point. And honestly, if we're just in an aggressive goblins deck that plays Broodmoth, you know, sometimes just shoving Broodmoth, like if we get board wiped, everything comes back, right? Mm-hmm. So like just getting the second life from Brood Broodmoth and now all our guys are evasive, that can be good enough. Makes sense to me. Just it's like I said, I think the cool thing about Broodmoth before was just how much value that it gives you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard to uh, it's hard to kill. It doesn't die to like the new removal spell, which has popped up the thing that kills three mana or less stuff, like the new smother. Eliminate. Right. Yeah, it doesn't die to that. So I feel like, again, like this is a card that just is really good. But again, I think in Pioneer, it just it's a little bit slow. But hey, for a Funzies deck, I mean, I think we're looking pretty sweet. I don't know. I think there's going to be a little bit more than Funzies. I think this deck could get really aggressive and go really wide with a Bushwhacker time strategy. And like with Ringleaders and Conspicuous Snoops can definitely rebuild boards pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I then definitely it just appreciate has a that, backdoor like... combo. We were definitely thought Lunas Broodmoth was going to do a lot of work in the format, right? And I think this is the first time we've really seen someone submittalist trying to make that work. Right. Uh, I like that too. Um, I would definitely uh, change a few things, but I do think that this, this list with more goblins, less Bane Fires, maybe we keep the light up the stages because that's just a good card advantage card. Um, let's settle the wreckage. And, uh, you know, maybe one less land and just cut in a bunch more goblins, I think would be more ideal sure um i love this combo i do think this deck is sweet i always want to play goblins uh, tribal is always cool so i like this what uh, you get to play also all the best sideboard cards because you're in yep. white so you get to play rest in peace getting into the trials uh Trans- the magistrate rocks is nice. maybe not the most relevant now after they change companion but still good against Trans- your... magistrate's actually bad in this deck if we're playing snoop because it won't let us yeah. cast the cards snoop dog can't play the cards mm-hmm. off the top of our deck but also, it's only really good against Breach right now. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm ready to get my verdict on this. Are you guys ready? Yeah, you guys go I'm ahead. ready. Uh, I'm going to give this a three out of four Lunas Broodmoth Power to Toughness. Uh, just because, like, I think we need some work here, right? Uh, but I do like bringing the idea to us. Like, it's an idea we talked about in the past, but just haven't really seen. I'm going to give this a 19 out of the 28 creatures that this deck should be running. Okay. Hmm. Good call. <laughs> I'm going to give this a 500,000 out of the infinity mana that I didn't realize you could make with Skirk Prospector. Skirk Prospector. Oh, I thought you were going to say out of the years we've played Magic. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, back when we were just Egyptian kids playing with our stone tablets. Yeah. So many real monsters. That's right. I banished a bunch of people to the Shadow Realm. Yeah. Oh, man. So many. So many people. <laughs> well, I think it's next slaps. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the submission. Uh, and we're getting a lot, so we might have to do another big deck doctor episode again sooner than I, th- I think I was initially thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but keep them coming, guys. We we love doing this. So, all right, guys. So any any other closing thoughts on this week's episode before we sign off here? Play in our next Pioneer webcam event so I can be Yeah. Here. Yeah. If, <laughs> well, if we ever do one evenings or uh, on a Sunday, I will uh, I will find a way to jam. 
Well, we can we can try and do the next one on a Sunday instead of Saturday if you want that. Well, let's see what the guys do because I don't want to move things just for just for me. I would definitely want everybody to uh, to be able to play. So ask sure. them what they want to do, but I, I would be willing to jump in. And again, I'd still do have to get a setup going. Is the only thing I don't have yeah. yet, but I'm pretty um, sure I can make. Work I I would assume think about it either that weekend of the 25th or maybe even we bleed into the first weekend of August, like that first or second weekend. Mm-hmm. So think think about one of those two. We'll probably have it announced by the time the event gets posted. I know we were talking uh, one of our baby boys is going to have a birthday soon. So maybe we're going to try and do something there, be safe and try and do something with him. We'll see what's going on. We'll, we'll figure it out and uh, hopefully in the next – by the time this episode goes live or just early next week, we'll have a decision on when the event's going to be. So get your decks ready, people. It's coming soon. You guys know it's coming soon. And, uh, you know, Ricky's coming for the top this time. Yeah, I've been no, allowed. I'm, I'm allowed now to play all the way through. So I'm going to win. I'm going to be the champion. All right. Wow. Who, can, who, can, who can dethrone the Dragon King as he aims for the top? I've been, I mean, technically I've been, he's uh, not a champion. Technically our, uh, our Corgi master. I got Vince McMahon behind me. I don't think anybody's wow. going to stop me. Not that like, aren't, aren't I the Vince McMahon? Huh? I said, aren't I the Vince McMahon? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll beat you up too. I'll throw you through a chair. Okay. All wow. right. Here, here. <laughs> Not a table, a chair. <laughs> uh, through a chair. All right. That's going to hurt more than a table. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me this week. Tune in next week for when we finally get an answer on how to pronounce Uro. It's Oro. <laughs> All right, so I'm Ruckman. You can follow me at the official Twitter account at Crew3Podcast. I'm going to try and finalize sort of an official stream schedule so we're not bouncing around every week and you guys sort of have can expect what schedule I'm going to follow. Uh, you can follow Ricky at... At also Steve. And you can follow Chris at... It's underscore Christmas. Well, thank you guys for joining me this week. Keep playing Pioneer. Keep making it happen. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.